amen. You may be seated. Good to see all of you this morning. Just a couple things before we get into the message this morning. Uh, I just want to thank all of you here at the Oasis who helped in any way with the uh, dinner yesterday for the Stanton family. For those of you that helped set up, those of you that helped clean up, those of you that made all that wonderful food uh, after the funeral was over, we really greatly appreciate it. I know that they do as well. In fact, the part of the flower arrangements uh, that were there yesterday at the memorial service are here today just again to honor Tom and remember him today uh, on this day and just continue to pray for the Stanton family in the days ahead. Don't forget about men, the men's Bible studies with Woody on Saturday mornings and don't forget gals. Your women's Bible studies start back up this Thursday night. Please see Marsha out there at the women's table. She'd love to sign more people, more gals up for that. And speaking of signing up, and I hope even a few more sign up, we now have over 60 people signed up for the Bible study workshop in August. So yeah, so August 27th, Saturday, we are offering a class here through the Oasis on how to study the Bible, how to get more out of your Bible reading, your Bible study. One of the things we hear so often is, I wish I could sit down and, and grasp more and gain more out of my time in the Word. It would probably be more encouraging to me if I did. Well, we're going to give you that opportunity. We want you to take advantage of that opportunity. It will be hours well spent on that Saturday, August 27th. So the sign-up sheets are both at the women's table and the men's table out there. Please avail yourself of that workshop and, and get out and come to that. And then again, this is sort of a save the date. Beginning next week, we're going to start giving you more and more details. But I want you to reserve the weekend, the 24th and 25th of September. That's a Saturday and a Sunday. We're having a special Strengthening the Family weekend here through the Oasis Ministry. Pastor Miguel Olachea will be here that weekend. Uh, everything that we do that weekend will be bilingual. So we're going to reach out to our Hispanic community as well as to our English-speaking community because it doesn't matter what language we speak, what culture we're from. We all need to be encouraged in strengthening our family and in strengthening the families in our, in our countries. And so it's going to be a wonderful weekend. On Saturday morning, we're going to have something special for the wives and mothers and for the dads and, fa and, and fathers and, and husbands. And then Saturday night, we're having a service right here, 7 o'clock, and then our normal Sunday service on Sunday morning. There will be flyers, and we're going to have flyers both in English and Spanish, and we're just going to try to pack this place out on Saturday and Sunday. Well, I'm going to apologize ahead of time. Because I am so excited to share with you this new series in Ephesians that I might get a little carried away this morning. I know that's very unusual for me to get carried away when I'm speaking God's word, but I'm just going to throw that out there. Be warned, I might even be a little bit more passionate than normal because... I am just, again, I'm so excited to share these things with you out of our study of Ephesians. So as we begin this morning, before we go to chapter 1, I want us to begin this morning in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 8, 9, and 10. If you saw the promotional video that Jeff put out there uh, on, on the web that we did a couple weeks ago, I was talking about God's secret plan. 
Did you as a Christian know that God has a secret plan and he wants you to be involved with it? Now, here's the thing. When the Bible uses the term secret or other translations uses the word mystery here, it's not speaking about something that is unknowable or that something that somehow God is playing this game of hide and seek. Like he doesn't really want us to know. So he's, he's hiding it from us. That's not what the word secret or mystery means in the Bible. What it means is something that is hidden, but can be known to us through God revealing it. In other words, God hasn't made it a secret. God hasn't hidden it, but God said, if you want to know what my mysteries and secrets are all about, then know my word. Know what I have revealed to you. So really, the secret isn't a secret. It's open, but yet I I tragically think that there are many Christians today, even in churches like this one, that, that when they hear this, they'll be going, I never knew that before. I never knew that before. No one ever taught me that. I never saw that before. I never knew that before. So let's talk about it this morning. I want to begin in chapter 3, verse 8 of Ephesians, where Paul says, To me, less than the least of all the saints, his grace was given to proclaim to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ and to enlighten everyone about God's secret plan. So there again. It's not something God wants to hide from us. He's actually going to use Paul in his word to enlighten everybody about what this secret plan is that God has. A secret that has been uh, hidden for ages in God, but who has created all things. And the purpose of this enlightenment about God's secret plan is this. Don't miss these next three words. Through the church. Did we get that? Through the church, the multifaceted wisdom of God should be now disclosed to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. God has a secret plan. That secret plan is that through the church. So first of all, that means that I need to be in the church. And I'm not talking about generally, well, I'm part of the church because I'm a Christian. That's not what this is referencing here. He's talking to a local church in Ephesus, just like he's talking to a local church here in Chandler. You and I will never be part of God's secret plan if we're a Christian, but we're not engaged and participating in a local church. We're going to talk about why through this series. You and I have to come together corporately and do this together. That's the only way the wisdom of God really is made known. Not by us being out there on our own trying to live the Christian life. By us being part of something bigger than ourselves, interconnected with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and accomplishing and achieving the will of God in all of us. That's how the wisdom of God is made known. And notice... In God's secret plan, through us, the church, who the wisdom of God is to be made known to. To the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. Who's he talking about? The angels. The angels in heaven are continuously observing the church. They've always been very curious about we who know the Lord through grace. 
In fact, Peter even says, he, he uses this great, great wording. He says that the angels of God literally like peer. And they're literally like on their tiptoes. Or they're stooping down trying to, trying to see what's going on with God's people. There's a fascination there with the angels in heaven about the people of God and especially the church. You and I are not allowed to get glimpses into life in heaven. But the Bible teaches us that God allows the angels to take a break every once in a while from their worship and their service to glimpse into the life of the church. And Paul says, here's why. Because God's secret plan was that through us, his people, engaged and participating in local churches everywhere around the world, could make known to those angels in heaven his wisdom. Think about that. That's our responsibility. Do you ever think about that? Have you ever heard about that secret plan? Did you know that, that God wanted us, the church, to make known his wisdom to the angels in heaven? It is. And, and that's our responsibility. And that's why you and I need to take the church seriously. And we need to value our local church. And we need to be involved and engaged and be a part of it. And not just be a spectator, but participate. Because again, it's only when you and I, with all our diversity and our diverse backgrounds of spiritual backgrounds and cultural backgrounds and all these things, it's only when we are able to come together and work together and accomplish things together that the true and, and awesome multifaceted variety of God's wisdom can be made known to the angels in heaven. Now, it's obviously not the only plan that God has for us as the church. It's not the only purpose that God has for the church, but it's a big one. And it's one that you and I should keep in mind at all times being part of the church. So I I want us to leave this for now because we're going to come back several, maybe months from now when we get to chapter 3. And we're going to look at these verses a little bit more carefully. But before we leave, I want to again draw your attention back to three very important words from these three verses in Ephesians 3. Through the church. For those Christians out there that say, I don't need to be in a local church today. Then guess what? You're never going to be part of God's secret plan. Because it's through the church. That was God's design. And that's why I shared even and have been sharing on Wednesday nights in our studies. We've got to start doing church the way God designed the church to be done. There are many churches out there in name, but they're being run and operated and they're focusing on things that God doesn't want the church to be a part of. Or they're doing things not the way God wanted the church to to do it. And the only way you and I will ever declare to the angels in heaven the wisdom of God is not only to do church, but to do it God's way. Not our way. Not the way we think church should be done. Not not the way we want church to be done, which is the way many churches are today. Catering to to the wants of the people. But the way God said church should be done. And yes, the church should be done 
a certain way. In fact, I'll just say this and move on because I, I can get a little, little upset when I run into a Christian who says that they don't have to do church. I have a really hard time restraining myself and saying, to me, that comes across very arrogant and proud as a Christian. Because I need church. Somehow you think you're above being part of a church and being under a pastor teacher who's been called by God? Do you think you're too good for that? Because I don't, I, I need it. And God says we all need it. But why do some Christians today think, I don't need the church? Or I don't need to do church the way God said in his word, we should do church. Even though God called pastors, teachers to pastor and, and teach certain people, I don't need to sit under the authority of a pastor, teacher, or be under that. I don't need to be under the authority of a local church. I don't need to be accountable to a local group of people. I don't need that. Really? So you're, you're, you're more special than the rest of us? It's not what the Bible teaches. Through the church. That's how the manifold, multifaceted wisdom of God is declared to the angels. Well then, if that be the case, how do we do that? How do we as the church begin to declare to the angels in heaven who are curious onlookers about the wisdom of God? Well, let's go back to chapter 1 and let's begin looking at this this morning. Notice in chapter 1, verse 1, Paul says from Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. By the will of God. That's the first way. It's by us as the church. And, and so I mean individually, but also corporately, that we are willing to surrender to the will of God. Paul says, I, I wasn't an apostle because it was my own idea. It was my plan. And then I went to God and said, God, this is what I want to do with my life. You're okay with this, right? No. We talked about that several weeks ago when we talked about him being our Lord. It's when we go to God and say, God, what is your plan for my life? What is your, what do you want me to do? You tell me and then I'll follow. I'll be obedient. And that's what Paul's pointing out here. When you and I surrender to the will of God, we are declaring to the angels in heaven, we believe that God is wise. He's all wise. In fact, no one's smarter than God. No one has more in supreme intelligence and insight into anything than God does. So if God has a will for my life and your life, if God has a will for us as a church, then there is no better plan. There is no better purpose. So again, how contradictory is it when you and I say, I believe in an all-wise God. Yet when he comes to us in our life and says, this is what my will is for your life, go, eh, I don't like that guy. I, I like my plan better. Well, then we really don't believe he is the wise God who has all this wisdom. Because if we really believe that God had all this wisdom, then every time God would reveal to us his will, we go, that's the best I can do. So I'll follow. You see. In fact, let me share this. 
The word will here, speaking in relationship to God's will, always speaks about his best offer to his people. An offer that can be received or rejected and pushed away, but his best offer. In other words, what God is saying is, my will for you is the best you could do. If you choose something else other than my will, it's not your best. It's not, it's not the best that you could be living. It's not the best that you could be doing. Only my will is the absolute best for you. That's why we as Christians should follow God's will for our life. That's why we as a church should seek to come together. God, whatever your will is for us. Because it is in us as the people of God, as the church of God, surrendering to the will of God like Paul did, that's when we can make known to the angels the wisdom of God. Because it's then in us living out the will of God that the angels begin to see, wow, God, you are amazing. You, you, you took these fallen human beings who have all this stuff and you've redeemed them and, and, and now you're making them part of your kingdom and your plan and you're bringing them together with so many different abilities and talents and gifts and yet you're meshing them all together in, as one. And it's like even though there are all these different people and all these different personalities, they're able to come together under you and, and work together and get along and accomplish things and achieve things. Yeah. Yeah, just like yesterday, just like the day before. I love being a pastor of a church that just wraps their arms of love around people. And you all have done that through this season of suffering in our church from so many families going through it. But I saw that on Friday with so many of you showing up at the funeral home for the visitation. And then yesterday, so many of you showing up to support this dear family during the funeral, and then so many of you like there that, that came and helped set up at the home and tear down and, and clean up and, and, and bring all this food over and just love on them. And yet, there's no two of you alike. You, you were all different. You all come from different spiritual backgrounds and, and all kinds of things, and yet, look at you working together to express and be the hands and feet of Jesus to others. That's when the church is showing the angels God really does know what he's doing. And that they can see a wisdom through the church that they can't even see in themselves. Because remember, the angels are never going to be redeemed like you and I. The angels don't understand grace. The angels don't understand salvation. They don't. And so there's much that they can learn... Through the church, if the church becomes the people of God that we are called to be. So first, we can begin to declare and make known the wisdom of God to the angels in heaven by surrendering to the will of God. Secondly, and this we talked a lot about last week, so I'm not going to spend a lot of time with it this morning. We declare the wisdom of God by being faithful. Notice he goes on to say, 
I'm an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints in Ephesus, but also to the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice that Paul even makes a distinction as he's writing this letter to this local church. He says, some of you in that church at Ephesus, you're saints. You're Christian. You're going to heaven. But not all of you are faithful. Like we talked about last week, there are undisciplined believers and there are disciplined believers. And that's part of what faithfulness means. Can we be counted on? Are we loyal? Are we devoted? Are we consecrated? Are we consistent? Are we reliable? Are we dependable? It's lost today in the church. And then we wonder why the church is not declaring to the angels in heaven the wisdom of God. Because we're so inconsistent. We're so haphazard and just... We run from experience to experience trying to energize and lift our spirits rather than just doing the everyday spiritual disciplines that really build us up. Because somehow, that's not sexy enough. That's not flashy enough. There's nothing glamorous about that. It's just getting up every day and doing what we're supposed to be doing. It's lost today in the church. And we need to get it back. We need to begin to be the faithful people of God. The people that God can count on. The people that God can rely on and depend on. And the people that others can count on and rely on and depend on. The people that they know where we're going to be and what we're going to be doing. That's so important today. Because in our world you look around and there's so much that you and I can't count on. So much that you and I can't rely and depend on. In fact, we we sometimes say, is there anyone or anything out there I can really count on anymore? Well, the church should be a place that they find that. And then, beginning in verse 3, Paul says, here's another way you and I can demonstrate the wisdom of God. By living as blessed people. Notice what he says here. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us. Past tense. Who has blessed us with some spiritual blessings. No, that's not what my translation says. Certain spiritual blessings. No, that's not what it says. I think yours probably says the same thing mine does. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. You and I have been blessed. There's so many Christians today that instead of living as blessed people, they're always looking for a blessing. As if somehow they got shortchanged. And God, I need something else in my life. I'm looking for you to bless me. Well, now, wait a minute. My Bible tells me that when we became a Christian, when we became a child of God, He already blessed us with every spiritual blessing. See, that's the problem. Is that as the church, 
we have through the years begun to devalue spiritual blessings and, and raise the value of material and physical and, and transient and, and the, those kind of blessings. We have bought into the health and wealth gospel that's being taught in many churches. We have bought into the false teaching and the false prophets and the false teachers out there who teach God's people that God wants to bless you. And this is how. Instead of saying God has already blessed you, live as blessed people. Because we have begun to value the physical and material things in this world more than the spiritual things. So that even though we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing, that really doesn't matter to us. That's not of value to us. We want God to bless us materially. We want Him to bless us physically. And we bypass that God has already blessed us. You see. We're looking for something else. Because we got our priorities wrong. We value the physical and material things of life more than we value the spiritual things as the people of God. And when we do that, we will never declare to the angels or anyone else the wisdom of God. Because God in His wisdom says, if you latch a hold of my spiritual blessings that I've already given you, then you'll be able to navigate anything, regardless of where you are physically or materially. That's why Paul, the apostle, could say, I've learned to be content in whatever circumstance I find myself in life. If I'm blessed with a lot of material and physical things, great. I'll praise God that He, you know, allowed me to have it. But if I have nothing in my life, I'm good with that too. Why? Because I've got God and that's really all I need. I have been blessed, you see. And now Paul begins to talk about what really are those spiritual blessings. Let's look at them this morning. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms in Christ, for he chose us in Christ. There's the first one. The first blessing is that God chose for us to live in union with Christ. To to basically have Him in and part of our life all the time. And He's going to go on to say, God did this before the foundation of the world. It wasn't an afterthought. God's not like we are as human beings where He reacts to everything because He doesn't know what's coming or doesn't see something coming. Nothing ever takes God by surprise. God's never up there in heaven going, Oh, I didn't see that coming. I I didn't know that was going to happen. Everything that God has determined is going to happen in His Word, He already saw millions of years before it's going to happen. Because He's God. And He's always been and always will be. And there's certain things that God has determined and decreed. And one of the things that God determined and how to bless us was say, you'll never have to live one day, one second of a day apart from me. If you accept Jesus Christ as my, as your savior, you will have him in your life all the time. You will live with him. You will have a partner and it won't be just any partner. It will be God himself who will partner with you in life. What a blessing. You and I can wake up every day going, Jesus, you and I are going to do this day together because that's what God chose. 
He never chose for us to do life by ourselves. He always chose for us to be in Christ. I thought to myself after studying and reading these verses for many months now, I should wake up every day, Jeff Royce, and go, I am blessed. We should wake up every day as Christians and go, we are blessed. In fact, sometimes I think maybe I should just write it on cards and put it all over the place. Especially on the refrigerator. Oh yeah, I'm blessed. I'm blessed. How can you and I wake up as Christians and not have the first... I'm blessed because I know God and Jesus is with me today. Instead, we wake up thinking about the things we don't have or the things we haven't experienced, the things God hasn't done in our life, instead of focusing on living as blessed people, the things that God has already done that will never be undone. And then he goes on to say, For he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, also that we may be holy and unblemished in his sight. You know what that means? That out of everything God created... We are especially His. There is a distinction and and, and a, a distinguishing between us as human beings and everything else that God ever created. In other words, God has granted us as human beings a special favor and a special blessing. Because it is only us as human beings that have a relationship with God or that can have a relationship with God unlike anything else in creation. We're separate from everything else. There's no animal that has a relationship with God like we do. There's no stars or planets out there or anything that God ever created in the universe that can relate to God on the level that you and I as human beings can relate. And Paul's saying, is that not something to be blessed by? That we actually not only can do life with God every day because we are in Christ, but but we literally can relate to God on a level that nothing else that God ever created could. We are special in His sight. And then I love this. He ends that verse by saying, in love. And the reason I wanted to stop there and just go with those two words is because I want us to all be reminded that's another blessing of God. God is in love with you. Did you know that? The Bible teaches that God intensely loves you. Always. Every second of the day. There's never a time as we exist where God's love is not fervent, hot towards us. He's never indifferent towards us. He's never cold towards us. His love burns for us all the time. Regardless of whether we ever love Him back, His love is always a constant in our life. And that's another reason why we should always live as blessed people because we never live a second of life on this earth unloved by God. And for all that reject the love of God and push it away, you are pushing away the greatest love you could ever experience. Because there is no one or nothing that you're trying to get to love you to make you feel fulfilled and significant. There's no, no kind of love that can make you feel like God's love. 
Open up your arms and receive the love of God for you today. And you will never be the same again. Because His love is a life-transforming, life-altering love. There is no other love. In fact, as I shared several weeks ago, those that try to, try to accumulate all these material things and physical things, those things can never love you back. No matter how much you and I accumulate on this earth, no matter how many material, physical goods we surround ourselves with, those things can never love you back. But God can. And God does every day. And it's a blessing that we need to begin to live out every day. And then he says this. He did this verse 5 when he predestined us. Again, he planned this all ahead of time. For us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ. Do you know what that says? That says that here's the blessing. Not only can we live with God, not not only are we in a, a special relationship with God where He treats us unlike He treats anything else in creation. Not only does He love us all the time, He's actually allowed us to be called His children. I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. We are princes and princesses of God. We are the children of God. And we should wake up every day going, thank you, God, that I not only know you, but you look at me as a dear child. I'm your child, God. You've adopted me into your family. I think sometimes that those who have been adopted... It means even more to you when you read that, doesn't it? Because you, of all of us, understand that what that means to be taken in by a family that maybe naturally wasn't your own. Well, guess what? The Bible says none of us are naturally the children of God. We all have to be adopted if we're going to be in God's family because we're not born at peace with God. We're not born aligned with God. We are all born into sin. And the only way we can be in the family of God is to accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. In Him, we have everything. Outside of Him, we have nothing. So Paul says, we have a responsibility as the church because it's through the church. This was God's plan. That through the church, his secret plan about declaring and making known his wisdom could be done to the angels in heaven as they look on, as they observe our life as a church. How do we do that? Surrender to the will of God. Be faithful. Live as blessed people. And one more this morning. Notice verse 6. All of this, Paul says, to the praise of the glory of His grace. And because Paul writes, and he's, he's getting a little excited too. I can just see him as he's writing this under the inspiration of the Spirit. Notice that he, he uses this phrase two more times. At the end of verse 12, look at it. He says, to the praise of His glory. And then at the end of verse 14, to the praise of His glory. Because Paul is overcome by all this. And so here's the last. 
How do you and I declare the wisdom of God as the church of God to the angels in heaven? By being enthusiastic, exuberant worshipers of God. That's what the phrase to the praise of the glory of God means. In fact, you'll notice at the beginning of verse 3, I skipped over it on purpose, but I wanted to come back to it now. Notice how Paul starts out verse 3. Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed. It means to, to celebrate God, to praise Him, to worship Him, to sing, to lift up our voices. If, if we're going to show people that God is truly wise, then we need to live a life of worship and praise to God. Some of you, we still need to encourage along those lines. Because some of you aren't quite on board with worship yet. You like the word, but eh, worship, you know. Isn't that just sort of to get us all in our seats to hear the word? No. No. Worship in the word here at the Oasis will always complement each other, not compete against each other. The one drives us to the other. The more you and I worship God, the more we're going to want to get into his word and know more about him. And the more we know about him, the more we fall on our knees and we worship him. And can I just tell you, for those of you that don't like to be a part of the worship here, I sort of feel sorry for you when you get to heaven. Because you're going to be called to worship God all the time. Or you're going to say, God, I don't feel like that. I don't want to sing. I don't want to worship you. I don't want to take the time to do it. Let's just get to something else. No. It's going to be a big thing. Just like it should be a big thing here. How can you and I, as the people of God, begin to think about how many ways that God has blessed us and the fact that instead of looking for God to bless us, realize I've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms, which means it can't change. It's already locked in. And that's why too often we're so focused on the material, physical things on earth. We live our lives as if we're not blessed because unlike the way we should be living as the people of God, we're not really laying up treasure in heaven like Jesus said. And our affection really isn't on the things above. They're on the things on earth. So when something physically or materially goes sideways in our life, we begin to think, I'm not very blessed. Because again, we've got our value system and our priorities all messed up. The spiritual should always trump the physical and the material. And that's why we should wake up every day going, my goodness, God, what you have done for me already. If you never did one other thing for me for the rest of my earthly life, I'm already so undeservedly blessed by you. I know you. I can do life with you. I'm especially yours. You are in love with me every day and I'm one of your children. I should wake up every day, just can't wait to just praise Him and enthusiastically worship Him for what He's already done. Not even getting to what He's going to do for us that is beyond our human comprehension. 
In closing this morning, I'd like you to turn with me back to the Old Testament book of 1 Chronicles. 1 Chronicles chapter 29. By the way, while you're turning there, let me give you a little real in the future uh, advertisement. One of the things that I want to do when we get into our building and, and we have a place where we can start running classes full time, I have a dream to take anyone that wants through all 66 books of the Bible in 66 weeks. Six, 11 weeks, uh, 11 week sort of uh, semesters where we cover every book of the Bible so that the people of God that want to know the Word of God, you can know it like you've never known it before. You can know the difference between Zephaniah and Zechariah. And where does that book fit into biblical history and world history? And why did God write that book? And what, what does that book have to say to me? All those things. All 66 books in 66 weeks. These are the kind of things we want to do. Will you help us get there? Let me talk about praise for a minute. You want to talk about a guy that lived to the praise of the glory of God. Listen to the words of David in 1 Chronicles chapter 29. The very last chapter of 1 Chronicles, beginning at verse 10. And I'm just going to read a couple verses here. David praised the Lord before the entire assembly. O Lord God of our father Israel, you deserve praise forevermore. O Lord, you are great, mighty, majestic, magnificent, glorious, and sovereign over all the sky and earth. You have dominion and exalt yourself as the ruler of all. You are the source of wealth and honor. You rule over all. You possess strength and might to magnify and give strength to all. Now, our God, we give thanks to you and praise your majestic name. Let's be enthusiastic worshipers. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your word. Would you use your word, God, to change our lives, to stir our hearts, to set us on the right path, God. To realize that the angels in heaven can learn from us, the people of God here on earth, the church. If we do church the way you designed church to be done. God, may we learn to accept your will. May we learn to be faithful. May we learn to live as blessed people already. And may we live a life of exuberant and enthusiastic worship and praise and celebration of you. These things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.